Today on Awaken to Grace, we're in part two of a sermon entitled Daniel's 70 Weeks. We're in a series called Things to Come. We're walking our way through the book of Revelation, but today we're going to do a detour into Daniel chapter 9 because this is often called the backbone of Bible prophecy. If you missed part one of Daniel's 70 Weeks, Make sure you go back and listen because it's going to all tie together and it will all make sense. Now, as we go forward in our study, I want you to feel free to send me your prophecy questions. Throughout this series, there are going to be times that I do Q&A sessions. And so if you have questions about Bible prophecy, I want to invite you to email me. You can always send your questions to Pastor Chad Roberts at gmail.com. That's all lowercase, all one word. Pastor Chad Roberts at gmail.com. Send me your questions. Let me know where you're listening from. And in this series will be packaged, some Q&As, and I would love to hear your questions. And I'll do my best to not give you my opinion, but to give you Bible answers. Well, let's get to the conclusion today of Daniel's 70 weeks in this series called Things to Come. Then Nehemiah goes down to Jerusalem with the king's permission, with all of the king's wealth, with the timber of the forest of the king. And what do they do? They rebuild the walls. And because Nehemiah goes with the governmental side, with the authority, they begin to build the city, they begin to build the walls. Now they can protect themselves, then they rebuild the temple. Now why is that all important? I'm going to show you how accurate Scripture is. Of the four decrees, we know this decree that is prophesied by Gabriel to Daniel is the, the, the decree of King Artaxerxes on March 5th, 445 B.C. March 5th, 445 B.C. The reason why we know is because the Holy Spirit is so detailed in His Word. Every detail matters. Remember what He said. He said, when the decree goes forth, the rebuilding of Jerusalem with streets and moats, or some translations say wall. The Hebrew there is moat or wall. The point is protection. Here's my point. Of all four decrees, three of them involved the rebuilding of the temple. Only one of them involved the literal streets and the literal walls of Jerusalem. And you know which one that was? March 5th, 445 B.C., King Artaxerxes. So we can pinpoint now when this decree happened. Now, what did Gabriel say? 69 sets of seven. Somebody who's good with math, tell me what that math comes out to. Nobody's good at math? Or is it that it's the early service? 480... Going once, going twice. It's 483, correct? Somebody fact check me real quick. Surely you can look it on your phone. Tell me if I'm right. 483 years. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I'm not telling you something wrong. You know I'm blind as a bat. I do all this by memory. You got to fact check me. 483 years. 69, what did he say? 62 sets of seven 
plus one set of seven, that's 69 sets of seven years. This is a mathematical prophecy. You who love math, you'll eat this up. Now watch this. Caleb, read verse 25 very slowly to me, please. Now watch this. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. Then for 62 weeks, it shall be built again with squares and moat, but in a troubled time. See how important that squares and moat, or some translations would say streets and walls, it pinpoints the prophecy. So because we know that this prophecy was given in March 5th, 445 BC by King Artaxerxes, we now fast forward 483 years. And now it's important to know in Bible years, they were based on 360 day calendars. That changed around 700 BC, but here in, but that Bible years are based on 360 days. And then you have leap years factored into there. And many, many, many scholars have done all these calculations. And let me tell you where this pinpoints. What did the prophecy say until the holy one comes, till the anointed one, till this prince? Who is it speaking of? It's speaking of Jesus Christ. Now, Let's get very accurate here. We know when Christ rode in, in his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, it was March 30th, 33 AD. Friends, do you know how many years that was? 483 years. 69 weeks of prophecy were fulfilled in Luke 19 when Jesus rode in, fulfilling Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Christ fulfilled that prophecy, and he rode in on a donkey. His first coming was on that donkey, but how is he going to ride in to Armageddon, Revelation 19? On a white horse. Amen. 69 sets of seven were fulfilled from the going forth to rebuild Jerusalem. That was 445 BC to Christ entering Jerusalem in March 33 AD. Friends, can you believe how precise the word of God is? Now, Caleb, take us to Luke 19, beginning in verse 39. I heard a scholar say, and I loved this, it said, because most of us are Gentiles and we don't think with a Jewish thinking, we miss many things in the Bible. One of the ways you can tell that you as a Gentile mind has missed something big is when the Pharisees get all upset. When the Pharisees get really angry, it means something out of the Old Testament just happened. Something major. See, the Pharisees knew Zechariah 9.9. They knew that the Messiah would ride in on a colt. And watch what happens. See, you go all the way back to Psalms 118. You know the psalm, this is the day that the Lord has made rejoice and be glad in it. That is a prophecy about Christ riding into Jerusalem. Because it said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king who comes. They sang on that day in Luke 19. They sang Psalms 118. But watch what they missed. Luke chapter 19 verse 39. Read it please. 
And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. Now stop right there. He wept over Jerusalem. Why? God loves his city. But why did he weep? Because he said, if you had known this day. Look how accurate the word of God is. Continue, please. But now they are hidden from your eyes. They're blinded, you see. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you. Now, pause right there. Now, we're going to finish that verse out. But listen, now what Jesus is going to predict here. Remember what we said Peter said the sure word of God is? It is a word of what? Prophecy. A word of prophecy. What Jesus is going to prophesy here is the destruction of... Of Jerusalem, which occurred on August the 6th, 70 AD, under the Roman general Titus. Now, I'm going to tie this all together in just a moment. Say amen if you're with me right now. Because all of this is going to fit together unbelievably. So Jesus fulfills Zechariah 9.9 by riding into Jerusalem on a colt, just as Scripture said. And they're singing Psalms 118. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. The Pharisees are all mad. And Jesus said, the prophecy, the meaning is hidden from your eyes. And what's he referencing? Daniel 9.25. And now, to the very day, the scripture is fulfilled. 69 weeks. And now Jesus weeps over the city because he knows in 37 years, the city will be destroyed and utterly crushed. And here's the remarkable thing. From August 6, 70 A.D., until May 14th, 1948. For nearly 2,000 years, Israel was not a nation. All that's going to make sense in just a moment in Daniel 9. Finish out this verse for me, Caleb, please. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. Paul's right there. Titus sieged Jerusalem for nine months for nine months and then they went in and they crushed them and verse 44 says and tear you down to the ground you and your children within you and they will not leave one stone upon another in you Paul's right there friends do you realize how accurate the words of Jesus was Titus was so greedy for the gold in the temple, they had melted gold, and gold had seeped in and throughout the stone floor of the temple. Titus ordered his soldiers to rip the stones out to get the gold. And what did Jesus say? Not one stone would be left upon the other. 
perfectly accurate. Go ahead. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Why did Jesus weep over the city? Because in 37 years it was going to be destroyed. And why was it going to be destroyed? Read that last phrase again, Caleb. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. Because they did not know prophecy. Fascinating. Now let's go back to Daniel 9. And if you will, please, read verse 26. And let me expand another moment or two on the work of Titus. Thank you. I believe so. Verse 26. And after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. Okay. Now this is predicting the death of Christ. This is predicting the crucifixion. So the anointed one, as though it would appear, is cut off. And now watch what happens. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed. Desolations are decreed. Now, it says the people of the prince. Listen how fascinating this is. The father of Titus was Vespasian, the emperor of Rome. Vespasian is the Roman emperor that built the Roman Colosseum, if you've ever been there. Vespasian had to leave Jerusalem to go back to Rome to become emperor, which would have made Titus a prince. And Titus was the first son to to follow, to succeed his father in the Roman Empire. And you know, today, there are Muslims and Palestinians who will try to argue that there never was a temple, that Jerusalem never did belong to Israel, that it's a false narrative, and they try to rewrite history. But do you know what stands in Rome? And I had opportunity to visit there, and I walked under what's called the Arch of Titus. You can Google it. And they built the Arch of Titus in downtown Rome, right next to the Colosseum, in memory, in honor of Titus, right here in these days. And do you know what is forever cemented into concrete to the Arch of Titus? The Roman soldiers carrying out the articles of the temple, the golden lampstand and all that Jewish artifacts. That is historical proof that there was a temple. It was destroyed. Isn't that fascinating? Now, it says that this prince is going to come and surround the city, destroy the city. That happened August 6th, 70 AD. Now, here is the point. From AD 70 until our generation, until our day, May 14th, 1948, Israel was not a state. Friends, this is that gap period, that period called grace. And do you know what happened on May 14th, 1948? God's time clock, once again, began ticking. So where are we in this prophecy right now? 69 sets of seven have already passed. That was March 5, 445 B.C. to March 30th, the triumphal entry, 33 A.D., Jesus died on the cross April 3rd, 33 A.D. 
He predicted 37 years later that Jerusalem would be destroyed. That was August 6th, 70 AD. And now there is a parenthesis. There is a gap period that the Bible calls the mystery. Satan could not see the church age. And what is the church age? The church age is Laodicea, the last church of the church age. That is from Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 to the end, the Laodicea, end of Revelation 3, beginning with the rapture, Revelation 4.1. That's that time period called the church history. And that's where we are in the prophecy. Now, as I close, because I'm way over my time, I apologize. Let's read verse 27, and this is where we'll close. And I'm not going to comment much here because this is where we're going to pick up next Sunday in Revelation 6 with the beginning of the tribulation period. Let me just bring clarity to verse 27, please. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week, and for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate, until the degreed end is poured out on the desolator. So who is this man who's going to make a strong covenant? Uh, the Hebrew means to enforce, who's going to force a covenant. It's the Antichrist, the pseudo-Christ. Now, Scripture says in three and a half years, in the middle of that week, three and a half years... And that's another thing that will help you in the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel. It mentions a great deal. Time, times, and half a time. Boy, I scratched my head forever trying to figure that out. I was trying to figure out what it meant. Eternity and time, times, and half a time. And you know what that is? That's a Bible way of saying three and a half years. <laughs> time, singular, times, plural, and half a time. Point five. It's three and a half years. I felt so dumb when I finally realized that. <laughs> in three and a half years or 42 months, as many scriptures say as well, other places, this Antichrist is going to force a treaty with Israel. Now, let me just give you my speculation, just like we were talking on the four horsemen. It's, this is just speculation. Right now, the property of the Temple Mount where the Holy of Holies was is the Islamic Dome of the Rock. I believe that the Antichrist, after the rapture, and don't look for the Antichrist because according to 1 Thessalonians 2, that man of lawlessness, that wicked man, will not be revealed until this restrainer is removed. What's that? That's the rapture of the church. The Antichrist will not be revealed, I don't believe, until the rapture. So I don't waste time speculating on who it is. He won't be revealed. He'll come out of obscurity, the little horn. So the Antichrist, the pseudo-Christ, is going to enforce his covenant. How is he going to do what President Carter couldn't do? Reagan, Bush, Clinton, the other Bush, Obama, Trump, certainly not Biden. How can he do what not a one of these presidents had the ability to do? He's truly going to be the greatest world leader the world has ever known. I believe one of the ways he's going to force a treaty with Israel, I don't know how, but I believe it's going to involve the building of the temple. 
We know there is going to be a temple built. We know this because Jesus taught it in Matthew 24 and Daniel teaches it here in Daniel 9 and because John teaches it throughout Revelation. We know there is once again going to be a temple in Jerusalem where the Holy of Holies was. That means it would have to be where the Dome of the Rock is. How the Antichrist is going to work all of that out, I don't know. I was talking with my mom this week about it, and she was telling me about a Bible teacher she was listening to that talked how the world religion is going to be about being a good person. So it doesn't matter if you're Muslim. It doesn't matter if you're Christian. It doesn't matter if you're Buddhist. It doesn't matter if you're Hindu. As long as you are a global citizen, as long as you are a good person. I don't know how he's going to work that, but I believe he is. And I believe the way that Israel is going to submit to the treaty, I believe the way Israel is going to submit to the Antichrist and and follow that lead, I believe he's going to guarantee them the temple on the Holy of Holies, on the Temple Mount. And then it says... It's called the abomination of desolation. And you can read what Jesus taught about it in Matthew 24, as well as Mark and Luke. I believe Mark 13 and Luke, I think 21, but I believe. Three times in the Gospels. And as Jesus teaches the abomination of desolation, this is when the Antichrist will put up an image of himself and demand worship. And friends, that's when the eyes of Israel is going to finally be opened. That's when they're going to flee Jerusalem. See, that's what Jesus meant. Leave Jerusalem. Don't even go back into your home and get things. Leave. Flee. Because the persecution that's going to come on the Jews is going to be unparalleled to even the Holocaust. And the eyes of the Jews are going to come open. And that's when they're going to repent of their sins. Hosea 5.15 And that's what God is going to restore them back to himself. Romans 9, 10, and 11. Hosea 5, 15. And that's when the millennial kingdom will come. That's when the battle of Armageddon will take place. Revelation 19. The millennial kingdom. Revelation 20. And then will come the new heaven. The new earth. The new Jerusalem. Revelation 21. And then what we call eternity. The final state. Revelation 22. You'll understand all these things much better when you understand Daniel 9, 24 to 27, what is often called the backbone of Bible prophecy. Let's pray today, and then I'll dismiss. Lord, I thank you for the scripture. I went way over my time today, but I, Lord, I hope it is beneficial to your people. I thank you for the words of this prophecy I thank you that we are smack in the middle of it, Lord. Well, Lord, I say middle, but really we're on the tail end. Lord, I believe that we're right on the cusp of the 70th week. 69 weeks have passed. We're in the parentheses, the time period of grace. And I believe that what is about to begin is the 70th week of Daniel. And thank God. I don't believe we'll be here to see it. We'll be watching from the balconies of heaven. We'll be watching from the throne room of God. So God, as we walk through Revelation beginning next week in chapter 6, give us wisdom as Revelation says, as Daniel 9 says. 
This is a time, this is a call for understanding and for discernment. Help us to understand your word and your agenda and your time clock. In Jesus' name, amen. If you enjoyed today's broadcast and would like to hear more great content, you can always download our free mobile app, Awaken to Grace, where you can request prayer, find sermons, articles, blogs, music, podcasts, as well as support us financially. You can also visit either of our websites at www.preachingchristchurch.com or www.awakentograce.com for more information about our church or our resource ministry. Thank you for listening to Awaken to Grace.